Hey everybody, this is JP Hunt with Inksoft, and this is a special podcast. In fact, we're actually reversing roles here. Marshall Atkinson, who normally hosts uh, the Inksoft Big Idea podcast, is now the guest. So we're kind of flipping roles here, but figured our, our audience can learn an awful lot from Marshall. So with that said, Marshall, thanks for tuning in and agreeing to uh, reverse roles here. So I'm, I'm happy to, to jump in and ask you some questions. You ready? I was born ready. Awesome. All right. Well, Marshall, let's start with this. Uh, um, you have a bit of a celebrité in the industry, so a lot of folks know you. But uh, for any of our listeners that don't already know who you are and what your skill set is, give us the Reader's Digest. Tell us about how you got into the industry and about your skills and lay it down on us. Well, uh, thanks. So uh, I got into the industry like a lot of people by backing into it. It wasn't my intent ever <laughs> to have a career doing t-shirts and suddenly looking back, Hey, guess what? Several decades in, that's what I'm still doing. So, uh, it's kind of funny. So, um, I was an art major. I have a degree in art from Florida state university. I got uh, married and then subsequently divorced about two years later. It really didn't stick, but I decided then to, Hey, let's just start over. And I wanted to get my master's degree in architecture. And like a lot of people, I was, I didn't want any student loans. So I started a t-shirt business to do fraternity and sorority shirts to pay for my graduate school. So I wouldn't have any student loans. And that's how I got into the business. And this was before computers because I'm that damn old. <laughs> and everything was done by hand. Uh, with blue lines and old letter set, rubbed down letters and proportion wheels and, you know, having a wax stripper. So you strip in your art. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's because you're not as old as me. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so uh, I had a T-shirt company print my shirts and uh, they and then later, a couple of years later, they bought a new thing. That revolutionized the industry. You know what that is, JP? Um, you're going to have to tell me. I don't know. It's the computer. Ah, the computer <laughs> So box. the first Macs came out. And uh, so I spent my Christmas break learning Photoshop. And then the program is called Freehand. And um, the rest was history. And I worked for that company for just shy of 18 years. Uh, and then I left, I was a casualty of 2009 recession and 2010, I left them and started consulting and, uh, did that all over the United States and did a two week gig up at a great apparel decorator in Wisconsin called visual impressions, which is where you met me. And, uh, I was their chief operating officer for five years. They're a very large contract decorator with uh, in a 100,000 square foot building with 14 autos and 130 heads of embroidery and three Cornet DTG printers all busting butt on two shifts. And it was quite the challenge. And I learned a lot from there. So a lot of my ideas, and a lot of the things I talk about were stem from uh, working there and managing that, but also my career at uh, uh, T formation down in Florida and all the other things I've done in between. So awesome. that's, that's kind of the reader's digest version. Well, great. So to be clear, you know, you sort of developed an expertise as it relates to production management. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah. So um, that's exactly true. Okay. Perfect. Well, that's great because I'm going to ask you a question that probably most you know decorators or print shops uh, operators want to know as it relates to, to production. So from your experience and your expertise as it relates to production, what's the most common and easily avoidable mistake that you see print shops making all the time? Well, uh, we're, I'm going to say it's uh, not measuring. And so we can all go down the rabbit hole of what ink and what emulsion and what press and all that stuff. And all that stuff works great. So the biggest problem I think shops have is they don't measure what they're doing. There's no data. There's no metrics. Uh, and remember what Peter Drucker said, you know, if you, if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. Right. So uh, we really need to know what's going on. And by then, and this isn't all things, it isn't just production. But what you really need to understand is just like the speedometer of your car, yeah, you can drive your car without a speedometer. You could probably do it. But how fast do you need to go? You're going to get a ticket. You need to slow down or accelerate. Or what are you going to do? You really need that information in your shop to make good decisions. So you can um, decide if things are working properly or you need to improve something or if your printer is uh, worth a salt, right? So. Um, I'm going to say not measuring in, uh, and using that information is going to be my answer. Got it. Well, and that, that's something that's easy to correct, right? You can start small and start collecting you, small yeah. bits of data and then over time grow that. And, you know, so it's just kind of getting started, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you can measure all kinds of stuff and you can have a system like I'm a big systems guy and I've got tools for that. But you, if you want, you could just use a yellow legal pad. You could have a clipboard in the screen room. How many screens do I code a day on average? Right. So that's important information because let's say you normally do around 38 or 40 and suddenly you hire a new guy and he's doing 55 or 60 screens a day. And so that's awesome. Okay. And so it's like one of these things where you're increasing your average and it's good to know that kind of stuff because that shows productivity and what's happening in your shop and uh, also makes you aware that, Hey, it was a really good decision to put this new guy in that role. So without that information, you have no idea if the things you're doing are working out. And you know, I think a lot of decorators fail to realize, you know, the, I think they look at the immediacy of data collection maybe, but, but they don't see the, the correlation with like marketing, for example. So I, I guess perfect example is you know, I'm a sales guy to print shop my customer needs product in hands by a specific date. You know, how can I commit that we can deliver on that date unless I know our capacity and you know those historicals? So I think you know it's important to recognize that you can take these you know the, these measures and you can apply them to different parts of the operation, the business, and it just makes everybody sort of consistent and cohesive. So I think it's interesting that folks don't necessarily see those impacts. Yeah, well, the, that's true. And the the biggest challenge with measuring is actually using the data. So it doesn't do anybody any good to measure all this stuff. And it all goes into a box or a folder and like the black hole, it's never seen again. So right. if that's what you're doing, then don't do that. Exactly. So, but if you understand how fast your uh, screens are moving, how many impressions you're printing a, an hour, like say it's 400 an hour and your screen setup is, let's say six minutes a screen and that's your average, you can easily deduce 
how many jobs you could probably do every day. So when your client calls up and says, hey, I got a 2,000-piece order. Can I have it by Thursday? You can look at everything that's on your schedule and what's going to take to do that job. And you can either say yes or you can say no or I know, but we can do it by Friday or whatever because you're using uh, math <laughs> to, exactly. to answer the question rather than just your gut feeling sure. never usually works out that well. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we're going to treat this like a talk show host. So I'm trying to expose a, a lot of concepts here. Um, so you travel around the country, you consult, you know, tons of decorators and they're varying in size and experience. And, you know, so I guess in your experience, what surprises you most about working with today's print shops and decorators? Uh, the overwhelming number of them that don't have a business plan. Ah. And so uh, it's shocking. And so I talk to people all the time. One of the first questions I ask, and if you're working with me, you know, I've asked this of you, you know, do you have a business plan and let me read it? And typically they don't. And so what they operate with is um, I call it the field of dreams theory, which is if we build it, they will come. Right. So if we set up a print shop or an embroidery shop and we just are open our doors for business, we'll just be flooded with work. OK, exactly. that doesn't happen. It, you have to have a business plan. You have to know who your customers are and what their problems are and what you how what you do aligns with what they need. Right. If you, if you don't have a plan that's based on that, what's going to happen is uh, you're going to have a big struggle ahead, ahead of you. You know, so to, to that point, have you seen, you know, examples of decorators that have a business plan and maybe it's well articulated, but, but, but it's dated. I mean, are you encouraging people to maybe revisit that plan and sort of iterate on it and treat it like an organism, you know, whether it be quarterly or whatever it might be? I mean, what's your perspective on, you know, how often to kind of re-engage with your business plan, make sure it's current and aligns with opportunity and problems and, and all the other things that you know, entrepreneurs contend with? Yeah, well, you should always a business plan isn't written in concrete or stone or whatever. It it, it should be a, a breathing organism like you just talked about, and it should be reviewed. And the frequency of that review, um, I don't know, once a year, once every other year, but it really matters more about what you're doing and what opportunities are in front of you. And it really depends on the market you serve and the customers and their challenges or whatever. And it, here's a case in point. So we all know that uh, eight, 10 years ago, order sizes were uh, tremendously uh, bigger, right? So we used to do tons of 1,000, 1,500 piece jobs all the time. And now what's happening is we're moving closer to the unit of one in this industry where people only want 36 shirts. And then a month later, they're going to order another three dozen shirts at, instead of ordering 1,000 for the year. Okay, or 500 for the year, because what they want, they don't want to warehouse them. Okay, so that's what's happening now. So if your business plan is written for that 500 piece or that thousand piece type of order and you're not thinking about how I'm going to be serving the same customer, but it's going to be more frequent, lower volume orders, you might think to yourself, geez, what tool could I use to do that? Right. Digital printing is the perfect thing. Right. So you just have to retool your thinking about how to do things to align with what your customers are needing. And so uh, and that just comes with looking at their pain points, looking at things, keeping your 
eyes and ears open. Um, you know, uh, somebody once said that um, uh, problems are business opportunities or something like that. I can't remember the exact quote, but it was just about, you know, when you stub your toe on something, instead of saying, ouch, look at that going, hey, maybe I can sell that guy a hamburger to beat the nail down, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, it's just one of these things that we have to constantly look at stuff to realize are we doing enough? Are we listening to our customers? And that's what the business plan is about. It's about deciding your company's fate based on what your comp- your customers really want, not what you're trying to sell them. Does that make you know, sense? I think that, that harkens right back to the point you made earlier about data, right? You know, using data and insights to help you reorient or recalibrate your business plan. You know, there, there are certain customers that uh, you, you see sort of a you know, volume, right? You know, $5,000 order, um, but, but maybe you're taking a loss on it. You know, so there, there's profitable customers, there's profitable segments. Um, but I think using those insights to help you make good decisions about the health of your business plan, there's kind of echoing that again. Yeah. It, it, here's the other thing that, that I think people should really know is you can say no. You don't yeah. have to take that turkey, Okay. You, nice. you, you know, so somebody says, hey, can you print this for 35 cents? Well, yes, you can. But should you? <laughs> you know, you don't have to do that job. It, so a lot of shops get really focused on being uh, busy, being busy, not busy, being profitable, which is a big Mark Kudre thing. He says it all the time. Yep. So it's like one of these deals where I think people should really look at the jobs they're taking. And uh, so. uh you know, think about some things, you know, so if you, for example, make, uh, let's just do some easy math there, right? So if you make uh, a dollar on a job, right, that's your profit, you make a dollar, right? And you decide, hey, well, you know what, um, I'll sell more if I lower my price to 50 cents, right? But guess what, you got to work twice as hard for the same right. amount of money. Precisely. So why not write a business plan? that focuses on selling the job. So you make a dollar a shirt instead of 50 cents a shirt. So you can work half as hard for twice as much money. Exactly. That's good perspective. Well, speaking of perspective, it's time for the crystal ball question. You knew this was going to come up, but given your experience, you know, you're obviously plugged into technologies and, you know, manufacturers of equipment. So, you know, you see consolidation, you saw these market pressures and changing economy, digital economy, Consumer preferences, give us your perspective on what our industry will look like 10 years from now. So let's gonna yeah. fast forward in here. Yeah, it's it's no secret. I, I talk and write about this all the time. So what we're gonna see is we're seeing a lot of market pressure for faster turn times. So if you're a shop that's still in that seven to ten ten day business window, you're already probably seeing pressure to get down to seven, to get down to five, to get down to three. So you need to be asking yourself, how can I serve my same markets with same day or next day turns? Sure. And so that's, but if you're not already thinking about that, you're, what's going to happen is you're going to wake up one day and you've lost your business because somebody else can do that because there are printers right now that are doing it. And it's just that's, not you. <laughs> you know? I read an interesting term, you know, a lot of economists are referring to, you know, the convenience economy or convenience consumers. And it's just that there's this expectation to get things you know, at Amazon prime speed, you know, free shipping in two days. And, and that's kind of anchored in consumers' minds. So they're kind of surprised when, you know, something takes a lot, a lot longer to generate or produce. Well, it's not just Amazon's fault. Uh, it's 
go in through McDonald's or Burger King, right? I could get a meal in three minutes. Sure. Okay, now it's arguably not really good food, but I could still get, I could still, sorry, McDonald's or Burger King. I can get food that quickly, right? So right. Uh, it's, just, and people are used to that now. They're used to be able to get instant answers. You know, hey, Google, what is the answer to this, right? And my, my phone just lit up when I said that, by the way. You know, so it's like I could instantly get an answer to anything. Okay. And so, so are you positioning your company? So the other thing that I think you, you need to be thinking about is technology. So I just said, uh, hey, Google, and my phone went crazy. Okay. In fact, it's typing what I'm saying right now. <laughs> so are you prime? So I can't help you with that at the moment. Well, Google's right. not going to be able to participate in our podcast today. So thank you, Google. So, uh, so one of the things that uh, you need to be thinking about is, can somebody find the answer to your apparel decorating question using voice right now? Are you connected with that technology? It, it, that's going to be, and everybody, everybody's asking Google, everybody's asking Siri, everybody's asking Alexa, right? Are you able to do that with your shop? Have you even thought about that? Okay, because there's probably somebody out there that uh, probably not in your city because that's we're all focused on just that little league order or whatever. But there's a big shop like Custom Inc. or Amazon or somebody who's already solving that. So are, are, what are you doing about it, right? And then also the other thing that's really going to be in is more technology. So, uh, you know, no paper, paperless shops. Uh, technology, everything's a click of a button or a barcode or a QR code or something or some sort of uh, near field thing where things are checked in. Uh, I think what's coming is going to be, you know, when your uh, shirt shirts are delivered uh, in a box from who, whatever distributor you use, Sanmar, SNS or whoever, right? They can be checked in almost seamlessly based on the box and the weight and a little barcode or thing. And it goes right into your system to mark received as soon as they're on the dock. You know, that type of technology and stuff uh, is is used everywhere. It can be used in our industry as well. Um, so, you know, it's just one of these things where um, where where are people using that that technology to fit into their into their business and what are they doing and what are you even thinking about it? Um, so that's what well, we could have a technology discussion for ages. Right. I mean, there's marketing technologies and business system technologies. But what is the, say, print technology, you know, that relates directly to production that, that excites you most that you think is going to evolve and become, you know, commonplace you know, since we're talking about a 10 year time frame? So what, what, what are you seeing today, um, you know, that, that, that you think is going to, you know, whether not necessarily replace because that, that's a, a rabbit hole. But what do you think is going to become commonplace rather in terms of print technology? Besides the new Inksoft production manager tool? Well, with <laughs> the exception of um, well, you know, I, I, I think digital is, is making a huge, a huge impact in this industry. Uh, it's only going to get better. It's only going to get faster. You know, right now, the print heads, you know, they move across the, uh, the shirt, you know, like a, a typewriter ribbon thing, I guess. It goes zoop, 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 back and forth. It's pretty soon, it's just going to be one pass. Woo, printed. Done. Okay. And, and so you'll be able to print shirts at nearly the speed digitally that you can do on a regular printer. I mean, regular press. Okay. Now these 
DTG technology is going to do that are going to be just crazy expensive. Okay. So not everybody's going to be able to afford them, but that price will come down as technology advances and people adapt into the new uh, production model. Sure. So eventually, you know, I don't know if it's 10 years or whatever. What's the, What's the law, JP, where technology like doubles every year or whatever? What is that called? You don't. Is that the Moore's law? Yeah, I think that. So uh, ten years from now, how crazy is it going to be? I don't know. I still want my flying car. So yeah, exactly. I, I don't know, but all I know is is that I see a lot of uh, companies investing in technology. I see a lot of uh, disruption there, um, and I see a lot of orders uh, uh, with quantities that are under two or three dozen shirts where it just really makes sense to do them digitally because sure. the, the matter of the speed that you can burn your screens and register them and get it all ready or whatever, somebody has already printed that job. And right. so it just, it just makes sense to go that way. Now, not every digital press is equal to the other ones. And we could go down that rabbit hole and also talk about pre-treat and all that stuff. But I just want to just, if you're asking one question that excites me most about the, this industry, it's got to be digital. Um, and because it's just taken over, it's taken over roll to how fabric is printed on rolls because the, right. they're no longer printing repeated patterns. Now everything is digital. So the pattern doesn't have to be ever repeated because right. it could be constantly with algorithms and stuff. It can be always be different. So every shirt is different. It's never the same. So um, just think about that and how that uh, it's just, it's just crazy. So totally. Well, speaking of crazy, let's, let's switch modes here and go down the <clears throat> sociological path. Right. So given your experience and you've talked to tons of different business operators and print shops, you've probably heard a number of myths, you know, whether they, right. who knows how they're generated, but give us an understanding of what you think from your experience, the greatest single myth in our industry is. Uh probably the greatest single myth in our industry <clears throat> about screen printing is that tension doesn't matter. So lately I've been in tons of shops and I swear the people that work there have magic fingers because they can just touch a screen and decide if it's good enough to use to print with or not because they, their fingertips are calibrated yes. to measure Newtons, which is, you know, I'm joking, of course, but, you, you know, tension is everything for screen printing. And so if you're not measuring your tension and you don't have a floor where under this Newton amount, and for me it was 18, we're not using that screen anymore, then uh, everything suffers from that. Your print quality, your production speed, uh, uh, the amount of ink that's on the shirt, I mean, all kinds of things happen when you don't base your screen printing production around tension. So spend the $130 and get the tension meter and then measure your screens and then have a, have a system and train everybody what it means and then work, build that into your production and everything improves after that. So got it. Now here, here's a, a, I think a, a question that will benefit any listener and I, I want to be very careful here and set this up right so I'm not accused of being an ageist. But, you know, I think you'll agree there's a distinction uh, in sort of the old guard or maybe a legacy traditional business and business owner 
and then say this sort of a new generation of entrepreneurs that are getting into the print space. So what are your observations on the differences between, and again, I won't use age, but like the new gen of these entrepreneurs and print shop owners uh, compared to, you know, maybe the more sort of mature legacy operators? Like, have you been able to sort of hone in on specific differences and maybe we can unpack what those differences look like? Yes. The uh, older shop owners, I think, are more willing to listen and learn. Uh, They're more open to new ideas. And I think younger generation folks uh, tend to have this DIY, I'm going to figure it out on my own. I don't need you. And, really? Yep. And uh, so they don't want to listen to people who have been there before. Uh, you see it a lot in the industry forums where they uh, often talk about what do these gray hairs know, <laughs> you know, and it's just kind of funny to me sometimes is um, everybody, you know, the people that are atops in this industry and have been there for a long time, they're into everything. That nobody ever stops learning. Every nobody, and I don't think there's anybody in this industry who says that they know it all. And if they are, they're you know, they're pretty much full of it. <laughs> but, but everybody is learning, and we're all trying stuff out. But the thing that I think is interesting is that a lot of the the what we call them, I guess, the the new kids, right? That, that are coming in. Uh, they just start. They want to start at the top of the mountain. They're they're super impatient, and sometimes they um, they just even though this information's out there, they they just don't want to know it, and it's just crazy until they reach these uh, legacy roadblocks. Uh, will they say, "Hey, uh, well, how do you do this, or how do you do this other thing?" And that's that's when they reach out for help and stuff. And I know it's. I don't know if that's the answer you wanted to hear, but that's just what I see from my seat and where I am is just there's a lot of people out there that I think that if they just came to things with an open mind and said, okay, these people have been around, uh, and it's not just, you know, me, because, you know, I'm, I'm older, I guess. It, it's just other people that, that kind of know this stuff, just ask them questions and they will give you the answers. Yeah, that's really surprising considering you think, you know, this young generation, you know, they grew up in a time where information was readily accessible through technology and, you know, they would be consumers of of information and, you know, process and digest and really take full advantage of somebody's experience. So that, that is certainly a, a surprise. I didn't expect that. Well, it's uh, to me, it's it's like the information's out there. It, but what's happening is, is they're trying to get it in the wrong spot or they're uh, they've there's so much information, which was the right answer. And so, uh, you know, and a lot of people trust people's opinions on the chat groups and forums and stuff. And some of that stuff, let me tell you, isn't correct. (laughs) And I I know, I know, you know what I'm talking about because you've read these comments too. And, um, and, but it's, it's, it's a trusted source for many. And I don't think it really needs to be. Now, to let's dig a little deeper here. Um, you know, when you look at you know the way these maybe younger entrepreneurs operate their business from sort of a business perspective, like you know the way they're fostering and developing culture of their team members, or maybe benefits or perks, or I mean, are you seeing um, 
you know, sort of a new way to operate a, a printing business compared to the old guard? Is there anything, any sort of patterns or any, anything you can share with the audience? Uh, well, business-wise, I think a lot of people are starting their companies and they want to be like more tech companies, I guess. I don't know what, what that kind of hip mindset, you know, we've got all you can eat cashews in their break room and we, we, uh, we have fun after work and that kind of thing. And then, uh, and that culture stuff is certainly important. Uh, but so we're like the basic building blocks of business where you treat people correct. You hire for attitude, train for skill. You have insurance. I mean, just like performance reviews, just all the old boring stuff. Sometimes I think it's skipped over for the fact that, Hey, every other month we go to go-kart racing or something. Sure. And, uh, and I don't think that matters to people as much as you think it does. Right. That's interesting. Well, now Marshall, it's time to play a game here that, uh, I call it kill or clone. So if you were to kill any one behavior or business practice in a print shop, you know, and you were able to clone maybe a positive attribute or practice, you know, and this is just at large. So if you can go to any one print shop and say, stop doing this and do this, what would those two things look like? All right. For my kill, I am going to say uh, not having sound processes in place. So what I want to see is everybody doing it the shop way. For example, let's talk quoting. So in your shop, if you're a listener, and let's say you have four people who do quoting, can everybody quote, doesn't matter the job, and come up with the same math answer for how much that shirt should sell for? Or does the owner have his price and the, the customer service person has his price and the two salespeople have their price? So there's four answers. So what happens is the customer after he gets a little savvy by working with your shop, they know who the cheapest person is. Then they start digging that guy for or girl for what, for the answer, because nobody, you don't have the shop way of quoting. And this is just one example. It could be anything. It could be how you do your vacation policy. It could be how you clock in in the morning or whatever. So you need to have only one way to do something instead of just the free for all wild, wild west show that sometimes happens in shops. So that's my, my kill answer. Okay. And my clone answer is not surprising is going to be teamwork. So the shops that are the best in this industry operate with a sense of teamwork. We're all in this together uh, no department is better than any other. Everybody sees that it's a holistic uh, deal of trying to get the order through the system. So you don't have this hierarchy of I'm a salesperson and you're just a printer. You know, what you have is a team. We're a team. And if we all function as a team, then we're going to win in the end because it takes everybody in the company doing their job correctly and on time with quality and with purpose uh, to to succeed, right? So I'm going to say teamwork for something that I want to clone. Love it. That's the right answer. All right. This is a question I love asking, uh, you know, veterans of the industry or just folks that have insights or just even, you know, business leaders in general. 
what is this an example of something super creative that you've seen from you know a print shop, a decorator, just that like wowed you, like holy crap, that's smart or super creative and innovative? I mean, what's the one thing that just blew you away? Well, everybody's always inventing crazy ways to print, and here's a new ink, and I took the shirt and I did something, uh, and I think that's awesome. Uh, my favorite thing when I when you sent me these questions, the first thing I thought of is going to be my answer, and that's turning the uh, way we sell on our on the on its head right so there's a shop called the rockford art deli and they have their print shop inside of their store so while you're in there shopping for t-shirts because they sell uh just retail oriented shirts they're actually printing the shirts they're going to go up on the uh, shelves for sale so, so oh, cool. what I thought was really cool about that is they took a really brave stance and letting everyone, all their customers, see how the sausage is being made because, you know, it's magic printing shirts. Nobody knows how we do this stuff. It just, here's a shirt. How'd that happen? They're showing that process, and in turn, they're educating their customers. They're having some buy-in. They're asking questions. They're answering questions. I mean, I think it's a really good strategy that I think is really awesome. So that creative thing is going to be my answer to your question. No, I love that. In fact, I can see from a consumer perspective that you know your perspective changes. This isn't a commodity, you know, shirt printed offshore somewhere. I mean, this is something handcrafted, made by people in my community, and there's artistry and technique that goes into it. So that, that that's a really good point. I, I love that. All right, Marshall, I got one final question for you. Okay. So of the, and I'm guessing here, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just using my experience, you know, ink stuff, we, we've actually recruited consultants, you know, in, in, in different aspects to help improve our business operations. So we know that we can always improve and there's expertise we should leverage. And um, so, you know, with that said, you know, you've been working with, again, a lot of decorators that are probably profitable and very successful and they're trying to improve. And then the, you're probably getting calls from people that are in crisis mode and need your help. Um, so with that said, of the folks that are successful, uh, because everybody wants to learn from success, you know, what are the most profitable print shops sort of, what are they doing in common? Like, are there trends or themes or something that they have unified? Aside from the things we've talked about, like, you know, they're, they're instilling teamwork and, you know, they have standard operating procedures, but is there any like unique insights that we might be able to learn from? Yes. So uh, first off, the, the ones that are doing great, are the ones that really are in alignment with their customers. So uh, by that, what I mean is um, their their business plan is in tune with what their customers want and need and are willing to pay for. So they're not the cheapest person. They don't drop their pants when, oh, I need it less or I won't buy. Okay. See you later. Good luck with that. Okay. So, you know, they're really strong in what they do and they're confident in what they do. And they know that they can do a good job and they're selling on value. And uh, so that I think that's a, a really good point. The other, there's a couple other things. The other thing is that they're process oriented. So they've built their company uh, where they have defined roles. They have uh, a system. They have a process map of how things should happen. And it isn't tailored to an individual person. 
So when Fred's gone, we can't ship to Canada because he's the only one who knows how to do it. Right. So they've got right. a process. So they've, everybody knows what to do. It, it isn't about one person. So if that person isn't there, everything doesn't come to a screeching halt. Even, even if it's, a, you know, not a lot of employees working there, they can solve these problems because they're a process oriented business. And coupled with that, they have great training. They have a great cross-training program. So it isn't just only one person knows how to burn screens or separate artwork or digitize an embroidery file or sell, right? You're only one salesperson. They have multiple people doing multiple things, and then they cross-train people throughout the year. So you're building up the skills inventory for all their employees. Uh, and there's two other things. One is uh, I think the the really best shops have a learning culture. If you talk to these folks, they're always goofing around with a new ink or this new shirt came out. What happens if you do this to it? Uh, you know, they're always doing stuff like that. And they don't just take things as the status quo. They're always trying new things and tweaking it to see if it fits into what they're doing. And um, so they make time for that. And, uh, they encourage that with all of their employees. So this is just one person doing it. They have multiple people trying to do things better. And so when you have that, that really drives a lot of engagement and makes your uh, employees satisfied with their jobs. And uh, it just drives a lot of uh, excellence. Nice. Yep. Well, Marshall, you worked with us very closely on the development of our forthcoming production management solution. So this is software to handle production management. So give us like your perspective on, you know, how you expect software to sort of impact how production actually gets done. Yeah. So that's a great question. So to me, uh, the software you use in your shops drives your excellence. So if you don't have readily accessible information that anybody can look up to find the answers they need, you get tied down into only one person can answer the question. And so what happens is that person is the person that gets always dinged with all this stuff. So the, the thing I think is really great about the new Inksoft tool is that it's an information-driven communication tool about the order. So anybody can look stuff up. Anybody can say, hey, what's the, the art or what's the shipping or what's the whatever I got to do. That information is in there. And so people can answer their own questions, which means that that job moves to the pipe faster if you've got people who are trained on the program. Got it. So let me kind of go back to the notion of consultancy. And I mentioned that, you know, here at Inksoft, we've hired consultants and worked with them to help improve our business operations. And, you know, my perspective has always been, you know, uh, you know, hiring a consultant isn't a cost. You know, if you hire a good consultant, they're going to save you money, whether it be, you know, in process improvements or some of the things we've touched upon. So given that this is your business, you specialize in consulting decorators to help them improve their business operations. Tell us, you know, about your consulting services. And then secondly, you know, you produce tons of awesome content. You're always sharing free information. 
So give us an understanding of what it is that you do in your consultancy and then how people can get access to some of your free uh, content to learn. And then alternatively, how, how they can reach out to you if they ever have needs or business challenges that you know they'd like your help solving. Yeah, sure. So thank you. Um, so first off, my primary goal is to help shops succeed. And I do that in numerous ways. Um, I've got uh, some eBooks that are available. Uh, you know, I've got three eBooks. I'm almost done with writing my fourth that are available on my webpage. Uh, there's a free one that is on the top 10 workflow tips. And I've got two for sale. One's a shop basic info pack, which is a bunch of templates for the most common things you have in your shop, like an employee handbook. Uh, I got a section on branding. I got some tools for writing a business plan, just like we were talking about earlier. And then there's a production log uh, dashboard system you can use to understand your data and your metrics for what's going on in your screen printing department. And then I also have a book called Price for Profit, which is learning one of the most challenging things in this industry. And I'm sure your customer service people would agree, which is how do I price my work? <laughs> how, how do I build a pricing matrix? I don't understand how to do it. So I have a... How, or, or the most common and classic is how do other people yeah. do it? And I'll just, I'll just use I'll theirs. I'll just use theirs. Well, using theirs doesn't work because uh, you're not basing your business on your math. You're basing it on somebody else's math, and those will never be in alignment. So don't do that. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. so the ebook is about what do you need to do, and there's a lot of strategies, and it walks you through how to do it, and it gives a very easy-to-understand examples how to do that. So so. Those are some ebooks. I've got my blogs. I've got, I don't know, 230, 240 blog articles on my webpage. Just click on blog and start reading. Um, and then I have my coaching. So my coaching is different levels, and it's all based on how much time you're spending with me. So it's all based on uh, what you're doing. So I've got an intro level deal, which is only an hour a month which is perfect for somebody who just wants a sounding board because your wife is tiring, tired of hearing about it. You know, you need somebody to talk to. I've got a whole bunch of clients that are just like that. Um, and I'm making light of it, but you know, it's serious. Um, and so, or, or like a board of directors kind of thing where we just review what's going yeah, sure. on, that kind of thing. And that's an hour a month. You know, it could be two 30 minute calls. It could be an hour call, whatever. And then I got my bronze level, which is two hours a time which is uh, every other week or uh, and it could be with one person. Maybe it could be with two different people. Maybe it's the owner and the production manager, you know, and then I got my silver plan, which is five hours of time, which is basically I'm talking to some shops every single week. And then I'm also doing some side projects for them. Um, so that could be uh, helping them with their pricing or helping them with writing, um, some policies and that kind of stuff. I do a lot of that. And then uh, I've got my goal plan, which is 10 hours a month. And uh, really the people are using that or they it's a big project. It is a, um, I'm writing some blog articles as a guest writer. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I do in that space. Um, and then the other, the other thing I've doing, I'm doing something new uh, is uh, some sales and marketing training with an event series that I've started a new company with my friend Tom Rowan, who owns Envision Tees in Iowa. 
And this is a uh, an event that we're going to have uh, in different cities around the U.S., one per quarter. And the first one is going to be in October uh, 27th, actually, in Columbus, Ohio. And then uh, there, we'll have four next year. Uh, the one for Q1 is going to be in Atlanta. Q2 is going to be in Portland. And Q3 and 4, we haven't picked the cities yet. But uh, the deal with this is it's a workshop-style uh, education event. So uh, unlike going to a trade show, there's nothing wrong with trade shows. They're awesome. I actually teach at trade shows, so I'm not saying those are bad. Um, this is a workshop style. So it's people getting in and talking with the instructors, doing some exercises, learning how to do different things, all within the uh, sphere of sales and marketing. So we start the day off with branding. We do uh, uh, the top 10 uh, website conversions. So if you've got a web page, you want to convert more. I've got a guy that's going to teach the top 10 way to convert sales. I've got lead gen, how to create more leads. I've got how to close. We've got um, a, uh, a deal on how to use video in social media to promote more because, you know, video is the number one SEO score that you can use uh, beyond uh, pictures or a blog or anything. It's video. And then uh, I've got uh, how, how to out Amazon your competition using promo. And then we end the day with a blue ocean strategy discussion where how can you invent your own sales channel so you don't have any competition at all? So you're just yeah, you're doing your own thing. And so um, it's going to be a very interesting day. It's on a Saturday. This always will be on Saturday. So people don't have to close their shops. Um, and so it's going to be a really great event. And um, so I encourage if you're around the Ohio area, please check us out. And um, we'd love to have you. That's excellent. And Marshall, call out where folks can find you on social media. What, what channels are you actively participating yeah, I'm, on. I'm everywhere. So uh, you, you can always email me at Marshall at Marshall Atkinson.com and Marshall's with two L's. Uh, one L means I'm a, a sheriff. Two L's is me. Um, my webpage is Atkinson t-shirt.com and you can find me at shirt lab, which is shirt lab pro.com. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram, both on um, Atkinson t-shirt. I have a Facebook uh, page for my consulting business also. Uh, and I post all kinds of stuff all the time, not just about the stuff I've written, but I frequently share articles and books and videos and all kinds of stuff that I find interesting. So um, you'll see that on LinkedIn or uh, Twitter a lot. So uh, there you go. 